0: It's time for Dodger baseball. And three strike three. Dodgers have won it all in 2020. Mookie Betts, Kershaw, left field. We're going to make big signings. We're going to make impact trades. I don't care how many times this team breaks my heart out. I'll never stop loving the Los Angeles Dodgers. Big blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. And what's going on, Dodgers Nation? Doug McCain here. My friends call me DMAC. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at dmac_la. underscore LA. Welcome to another episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. The Dodgers are reportedly interested in an outfielder named Mr. Tiasco Hernandez. We're going to talk about that. We got an update from the GM meeting. So much going on down there. They're fully invested in Gavilux at the shortstop position. Mookie Betts playing second base. We're talking about Diego Cartagena tie update on him. We have so much to get into on this show, but first let's go down below in the comment section. What's up D Mac? go spare. Hi, D Mac from Craig Oserberg. We got what's up from Rick over there. We got D Measy. No one's ever called me D Measy. What up, Swaggy C? But yeah, this show is brought to you by GearUp.LA and the Dodgers Nation app. So if you haven't yet, be sure to download that Dodgers Nation app, Head to your app store right now. The best Dodgers app in the game. Scores, highlights, rumors, videos, everything we do on this channel, you're going to find it over there. Also, the best gear in the game. Head over to GearUp.LA. Christmas is coming soon. Get geared up. Best Dodgers t shirts in the game over at gear up.la but i want to get right into the action because so many nuggets from the gm meetings down in arizona they actually apparently canceled because of a virus so hopefully it won't be the same result as the virus a couple years ago, but they have called it short, but still, we've got a lot of nuggets from there that we have to dive into. First one I want to start with, though, is about Gavin Lux. haven't talked too much Gavin Lux on this show, the future of the Dodgers, former top prospect, a little rewind, of course, heading into last year. It was widely expected that he was going to be the Dodgers' everyday shortstop, that you're going to go from Corey Seager to Trey Turner to Gavin Lux was going to be that guy, and in Fortunately, during spring training, he tore his ACL, he hurt his LCL, he was out for this season. And it was a major setback. It was a big setback for a player that had had some ups, had some downs, but was really in a prime position to put together a full season for the first time as a shortstop. And this Dodgers team, I talked to Freddie Freeman during spring training and he told me that they had expected him to hit close to 300 and have a big impact on this Dodgers offense. So him going down, definitely set this team back before their season even began. And the big question was who would, fill in for him and what they do you saw miguel rojas he did a great job defensively miguel rojas was a top four shortstop offensively that wasn't the case you can't expect too much from miguel rojas he is a glove for a shortstop but he did a nice job filling in for luxie and of course you saw mookie betts who can do everything you want on a baseball field He played shortstop for the first time since low A when he was in the Red Sox organization in 2012. So they found a way to get it done. But this is the year that they're really going to start to look at the future at that position. And the big question heading into next season is can Gavin Lux be that guy? And Brandon Gomes, he talked to reporters and he said that the plan right now is for Gavin Lux to log a good amount of starts at shortstop. He's progressing in his ACL rehab. So just to unpack and dissect that a little bit, he says that a good amount of starts. So that doesn't tell you every single day. That doesn't say every single day Gavin Lux is going to be out there at the shortstop position. That tells me that they're going to lean heavily still on Miguel Rojas at times. And that maybe you could see Gavin Lux, playing shortstop about three times a week, maybe four times a week, and then Miguel Rojas getting a couple starts. Possibly Mookie Betts getting a couple starts if they want to do something at the second base position. If you want to give Michael Bush or Miguel Vargas an opportunity or go with someone else at the position, if you find someone there as far as an impact back goes. So it does feel like right now they are invested in Lux. They want to give him the opportunity to see if he can be that guy. And I do think that Lux can still be, a above average shortstop. When you consider what he can do offensively, when you consider what he can do defensively? I'm not asking for gold glove caliber defense from Gavin Lux. I'm not asking for prime Omar Vizquel or anything like we saw from Miguel Rojas last year, but if he can just be solid, if he can be around league average as a defender, that's going to go a long way. For this team, because you look at out there, there's not a lot of long-term solutions at shortstop. When it comes to elite players, we got guys like Xander Bogarts, right? Who just signed with the San Diego Padres, Francisco Lindor. He's locked up Corey Seager. He's locked up Whit Merrifield, He's locked up. There's not a lot of guys out there that you can play at that position and expect to bring in to have a big impact. They just don't exist. It's very hard to find an elite shortstop. It's like finding finally quarterback in the NFL. There's 10 or 12 of those in the game. They don't grow on trees. And the most important thing is the fact that Gavin Lux is under team control until 2027. So if he can be an average defender and be a plus bat, that's going to help you allocate those resources elsewhere. You can put money in starting pitching. You can find an impact that, as far as an outfielder or another position on the infield. And if you look at the growth from Gavin Lux, you've seen it. You've seen him improve as a bat, and he was going to have a good year this year. He was going to be solid. I think there was an outside chance that he made his first all star team if he could hit close to 300. But if you look at the improvements that he made from 2020, a terrible season for him, had COVID, didn't get his season started, had a 61 weighted runs created plus. Came back in 2021, improved that to a 90 weighted runs created plus, ended up hitting seven home runs that year, 46 RBI, hit 242, which is definitely on the low side, but also did an adequate job filling in for Corey Seager when he was injured that year. And then you jump to 2022, that really was his breakout season, and he did it very quietly. He had a 114 weighted runs created plus. So his bat was 14% above league average. He slashed 276, 346, 399. He hit six home runs. I remember joking with Lux in the clubhouse before the season. And he was telling me how he wanted to hit more than six home runs and that he was trying to add some weight. And I said, Hey, is that why you put on that weight? Cause you want to hit six more than six home runs. And he laughed and said, yeah, he wanted to get the double digit bombs last season. And that really was a part of the plan. So I am willing to sacrifice some of that power just to hit for average. But I still think you look at, he put together a three F war season in 2022. One of the more quiet, F4 seasons, right? And if you look at who are the other options out there that they could turn to if they wanted to move off of Gavin Lux, well, a name that we've talked about on this show quite a bit is Willie Adamas of the Milwaukee Brewers. And Willie Adamas, a fun player, defensively superior than Gavin Lux, Offensively, yes, he does hit for power for a shortstop. Last year, he had 24 bombs. Year before that, he had 31 bombs, but still a below average bat. Hit 217, a 94 weighted runs created plus. The strikeout rate is high, doesn't really walk. He's under one more year of team control. And I just don't think that the jump from a Lux to a Willie Adamus really justifies it when you consider that Lux can be your long-term solution at that position. So I'm all in on Gavin Lux still at the shortstop position. I think that it behooves the Dodgers to give him that runway. Once again, you don't want to sell your stock when it's at a low, you don't want to sell your stock. When it's a prospect, a guy coming out being one of the top prospects in baseball, right? Being your top prospect. And then you're going to trade him before he's even gotten a chance to play following an injury that doesn't seem like the sensible move for the Dodgers. I think they owe it to themselves to see what they have in Gavin Lux at that shortstop position, but we're going to jump to the next topic and switch gears here, but let me know down below. What are your thoughts on Gavin Lux? Are you all in on Luxie at that shortstop position? Like I said, shortstop, it is a luxury. It is a premium position. It's difficult to find guys that can get it done defensively and be an impact bat. It just doesn't, Really exist outside of five, six, seven guys in the sport. But John says Lux could still play second with Adamus at shortstop. Absolutely. And I think you are going to see Gavin Lux play at second base this season. I wouldn't rule out seeing Mookie get more opportunities at short and then Gavin Lux get some opportunities at second as he's trying to transition his way back. So they're not going to rush him in there and say, okay. You got a clean bill of health here. Go start 162 games at shortstop. That's not going to be the plan, right? But as far as Willie Adamas, if you do find a way to bring him in, if you did bring Willie in, I would have to assume that you packaged him with a Corbin Burns or you swung really big and you got Christian Yelich as a part of a blockbuster deal with Yelich, with Adamas, with Corbin Burns. If that would be the case, yeah, I could get behind that, but I'm just saying, if you're trying to do a one-for-one swap or look at Willie Adamas as your shortstop for the future and consider signing him long-term, I still like the idea of seeing if Gavilux can be that guy because if you can lock him up that position, that frees up a lot of money that you can spend on other very important positions of need. But Gil says, well, it depends on who we could get for him. Jim says, if Lux is a liability at shortstop, will management move him to second base? I would not roll out the possibility of Lux playing second base. I think if you see Lux struggle at shortstop, sometimes you're seeing him not stepping into his throws, right? Looking a little rigid at the position, but let's not forget, shortstop was Gavin Lux's original position. He's athletic. He can be rangy. I still have full confidence that Lux can be an average to above average defensive shortstop at the big league level. We need a third base plan. That's from Ruben Rodriguez. That's another option too. Willie Adamas, Kike Hernandez could be back playing that position. Matt Chapman's out there. Nolan Arenado could be available via trade at some point. So I do think the third base is a position that you're going to have to address at some point does feel like heading into this season. The plan is you got Max Muncy. You live with his deficiencies at the hot corner because you hope that you have Shohei Otani Shohei Otani at the plate at DH more than makes up for any deficiencies that Max Muncy has at third base, but we got V track. His ACL is either good or is it isn't. If there are worries trade him now, look, I mean, if you want to point out the Milwaukee Brewers as a destination, Hey, he's from Kenosha, Wisconsin. You see that could be a natural fit, but I still think that they're going to give him another shot, but let's check the comments a couple more times and we're going to switch gears here. We got uh, good morning, Dodger fam. Good morning, Roy Estrada. Always rocking with us. By the way, if you haven't yet, Hit that like button for your Los Angeles Dodgers. Hit that like button. If you want to see Gavin Lux have an all-star season in 2024. We got Lux either produces or he doesn't. Dodgers deserve high-level performers. V-Track, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. But we got Justin Lama says, stop babying Gavin Lux. Juan Soto is younger than him, and Soto is getting a $550 million bag after next year difference in levels. Yeah. I mean, you're comparing two extremely different players. You're comparing a guy who is projected to go to the hall of fame. One day, a generational hitter. Juan Soto is a one-of-one type of hitter. Gavin Lux is someone that you're still trying to see if he can be someone that can be a part of your core moving forward. But uh, switching gears here, Brandon Gomes also talked about the Dodgers needs this offseason and what they're going to prioritize. He told, he said that the Dodgers are looking to add two starting pitchers and a corner outfielder. So two starting pitchers and a corner outfielder, Brandon Gomes told reporters, it's a priority for us. We're looking to add a starting pitcher and two and how that comes about is based on the trade market, free agency and balancing with our internal options but it'll be something we want to do. I don't think we're unique to that. I bet you every other team is in that space too, but that is our mindset right now and a priority. So it's good to see that this Dodgers team is as open and transparent as they are about this, about this starting pitching market about their needs at this offseason, where it's a fork in the road. You absolutely have to address this. And the reality is, it wasn't as big of a problem before as it is now. And they realize that and they understand that more than anyone. And it's going to be the most important part of this offseason. I'd venture to say that getting, starting pitching this off is more important than signing Shohei Otani because we know Otani can possibly pitch in 2024. We don't know if he's going to be effective coming off a second, Tommy John. We don't know if he's ultimately going to move to the bullpen as a piece, but If you want to maximize this nucleus, if you want to maximize Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Mookie Betts, this core, you need starting pitching this year. So, you also said something very interesting about the trades, about the free agency market. And it feels like, I don't know if they're watching our show, but we basically laid the blueprint out for how you fix this rotation overnight. If you want to fix this rotation overnight, it's simple as to what you do, right? If you want to fix this rotation, the biggest key to all that is you trade for either a Corbin Burns, Dylan Seas, Midge Keller, a Tyler Glass. Now you trade for one of those four, right? And then you sign one of the top free agents available, an Aaron Nola, a Blake Snell, a... You could possibly go to the second tier, right? You go to a Lucas Giolito, a Marcus Stroman. You could look at a reclamation project in a Jack Flaherty. You could bring in a Sonny Gray. You can go with the biggest name available, which you talked about yesterday in depth in a Yoshinobu Yamamoto, right? A Yamamoto is going to cost you a lot. I think that there's a chance the Yamamoto ties Garrett Cole for the longest contract for a pitcher and reaches that nine year mark. Do you really want to go nine years for Yamamoto when he's unproven at the big league level? I think mean, that's a big question for a team that's so desperate to win next year. But it's definitely nice to see that they're all in on adding starting pitching. You would go on to say, I think the free agent group around is talented as well. There are potential opportunities to explore the trade market more so than there have been in the years past. So I think there are different avenues to improve our team and make sure we have a high quality starting staff. So I'm going to translate that to say that. I'm very confident. I'm very confident at this point. It's kind of reading these tea leaves, knowing the prospect capital that the Dodgers do have, the resources that they do have. Like I was saying, the Dodgers, their farm system is Amazon, right? They have everything. You want starting pitching. You want position players. You want a catcher and Dio Cartaya, Dalton rushing. You want someone with a lot of upside like Josue Paula, someone like that. They have everything you need to pull off a deal for an impact starting pitcher. And if Cease becomes available, Burns becomes available, Glass now becomes available, they are going to contact the Dodgers and see what they can get from them. And I think that that is the indication I'm getting is that they're absolutely going to explore some of these trades. Gomes also said, I think it would be reasonable to say that it'll be more than it has been when it came off years of top production with returning the same rotation, if not improving on that base. So yeah, I mean, that's something that we've talked about this show at length as well had to improve starting pitching. It's not even a discussion. The Dodgers starting pitchers last year, they ranked 20th in Major League Baseball with a combined ERA of 457. That's my Dodgers nation. Bring my facts to the five stat of the day. That was the first time where we had over four for a season since 2007. That was the first time since 2007 that the Dodgers starting rotation posted an ERA of over four since 2007. And that was their highest since... The Brooklyn Dodgers in 1944 had a 4.78 ERA. Okay, so that was the highest right there in the big leagues at the time. So you're telling me that last year your starting rotation posed the highest ERA since 1944, first time since 2007 you had ERA over four. Absolutely, when they're in the boardroom with Andrew Friedman and company and the analytics department, the scouting department, number one is Shohei Otani because of the marketing benefits and wanting to bring in a superstar, but 1A is absolutely bringing starting pitching. And also, you bring in Otani, you address that in the future as well. So, let me know down below in the comment section, though, of the pitchers that could be available via trade, which one do you want? Who is your top target? Is it Cease? Is it Burns? Is it Keller? Is it a Tyler Glass now? I think Glass now has a ton of upside. The injuries have been an issue, the velocity is high. Hasn't been the best in the postseason. Dylan Cease, from a prospect capital standpoint, he's under two years of team control. So it's going to cost you more, but he's someone who has lights out stuff. Cy young stuff, stuff that could play up in October as well. Corbin Burns to me is my number one because Corbin Burns is someone that Cy young winner. He's in his final year of team control with the Brewers, you could possibly extend him or sign him long-term. It's unlikely, but still it's a possibility, and you do have that freedom. But let me know down below, and then we're going to switch gears to our next topic here on Dodgers. Dugout Live, guys. Here we go. We got um, Glass now should cost the least prospects. That's from John Sotello. Yeah, we've done a deep dive on Glass now. Yeah, from a contract standpoint, he's making a lot of money, right? I mean, you look at the money he's said to earn next year, over 20 million. That's a raised team that, uh, that's a ton of money for them. We got Burns from Adrian Andre. We got Nola and Burns. That's from Ray V Guzman Jr. Yeah. Nola though. That's a free agent though. I'm asking about the trades, not asking about the ones that are available on the open market right now, but yeah, I'm all in on Nola, Nola to LA for sure. Glass now with a Rosarena D-Mac Jr. What up D-Mac Jr. You should be studying. I don't know what class you're in right now, but come on now you got to focus. I mean, you're getting straight D's in class, man. I just checked your report card. It's not looking good, man. You got to focus on class. Okay. D-Mac Jr. Uh, Johnny Owen, why Flaherty and Giolito? Does anyone want local or any retreads move forward? People are addressing this again next off season. So let me just reiterate the top shelf. We're looking at the top shelf, Like I said, the five-star recruits, Right. Yamamoto, Nola, Snell, Montgomery. Those are the top shelf guys. Second tier, second tier is you're looking at the, the, Sonny Gray types, right? But the third tier, I almost think you could have Giolito in that second tier if it's at a team friendly contract. I think Giolito is a candidate to sign a shorter term deal with some opt outs so he could re enter free agency. And I think Flaherty is someone who has some upside. I'm not really as high on, but if you get him at the right price, you can't just bring in all ace level pitchers. But uh, I see Lux will do fine. Peralta was there as well. Nola is related to Lynn. There she goes. Another home run. Yeah. V track. Lansley just gave up another home run. That's 7,000 on the year. Now Dylan C should be a huge target. He's got some lights out stuff. I like Dylan C's. I like Dylan C's. I feel like he would fit in in LA. I feel like he looks like a hipster. He could live in silver Lake. He looks like he collects typewriters, right? One of those types. So I like me some Dylan C's. And I think that he's someone I would love to have on this team, but let's keep moving here. Cause we have tons to unpack. Now, Another thing that Brandon Gomes discussed yesterday in the GM's meetings was the fact that Mookie Betts is going to be playing second base again. And he's going to, they said that the proof of concept is something that gives them flexibility. So expect to see more Mookie Betts at second base next year. Expect to see some shortstop. Like I've been saying on this show for months now is having Mookie Betts at second base it opens up the possibility of adding an outfielder because they need some more pop in that lineup. You need another hitter and it's easier to do that by adding an outfield piece versus finding a second baseman. that can hit 39 home runs, play at an MVP level and hit over 100 RBI like Mookie Betts is able to do. Brandon Gomes also said that Miguel Vargas and Michael Bush could play corner outfield. So that's very interesting as well. He also said that Miguel Vargas was bothered by a thumb injury last year, and that's why he struggled. So guys, Miggy, my guy, Miguel Vargas, who's in with a thumb injury. It wasn't for that, he probably would have won one league MVP. So let's ease off it. But no, look, it's very interesting because it does tell you that Michael Bush, Miguel Vargas, could see him in the outfield, could see him playing some infield. But I am very confident in saying right now, if you want a bold prediction or a semi bold prediction this off season. One of Miguel Vargas or Michael Bush will not be on this team next year. Michael Bush is 25 years old. He's someone that we know he deserves his opportunity at the big league level. He just has not got his opportunity at the big league level. And I think that it's long past due. So if you do not have the spot for Michael Bush, you got to give him an opportunity. You have to set him free. And look, as much as I want to see Michael Bush have success, right? He just hasn't made the most of his opportunities. And that's just a reality. I mean, he's someone that when he gets opportunities, even though they're short, you definitely want to find a way to maximize those and get that, that push that you need. Now, if you look at Bush last year, I mean, he had 167 and had a 174 expected batting average. And he struck out in thirty-three point three percent of his plate appearances. So it's a small sample size, only 81 plate appearances, but a batting average at 167, an expected batting average doesn't point to a lot of bad luck and a very high strikeout rate compared to his minor league numbers. In triple A, in triple A, I mean, the ground ball rate kind of went up a little bit. You look at some of the exit velocity numbers. At the big league levels at 89.1 miles per hour. So he's just not the same player at the big league level versus at AAA. And AAA, you're seeing a, a pitching disparity right now. And if you talk to scouts around Major League Baseball, they'll tell you that right now, the gap between AAA and Major League Baseball is wide. I mean, it is rookie mode to all Madden, right? It is very wide right now. And It tells you why some of these players are having success there, but not in the show. So definitely want to see him get his opportunity. I just don't think that ultimately it will be for the Dodgers, but let's keep rolling here, guys. A couple more updates. He said that Brandon Gomes also said that they're not committed to Dustin May in 2024. He didn't use those words exactly, but Gomes told reporters about Dustin May. He's somebody that quote, we're not going to push by any means. So That tells you that they are not banking on Dustin may returning next season. Dustin may had his second major elbow surgery. He's been phenomenal when he's been on the mound. He's shown all-star potential, just filthy. You know what I say stuff moves more than a military family. I've been waiting for Dustin mania. I've had my tickets for Dustin mania for years. Unfortunately injuries have derailed his career. And I like the fact that they're being honest about this. It's an honest assessment when it comes to Dustin May and his future. He also had an update about Diego Cartaya. So I want to say something about Diego Cartaya, who sat in this chair for an interview this time last year. Love the kid, billion-dollar, million-dollar megawatt smile, a lot of star potential, a lot of charisma, great kid. But I do think it's time to start worrying about Diego Cartaya. I mean, the production is going the opposite direction. He's just not trending, right? That stock level, you're seeing that stock go down. And if you look at his 2023 stats, he slashed 189, 278, 379, had a 71 weighted runs created plus. So his bat was 29% below league average Hit 19 home runs, had 10 doubles, 57 RBI, 37 walks and 117 strikeouts. And about, Diego Cartaya, Brandon Gomes said, I think it does get a little bit lost how young he is, especially for the level. I know his offense this year wasn't where he would have hoped. He took major strides in game planning and receiving and throwing and leading pitchers meetings and understanding how to lead a staff, which are all incredibly important in some intangibles that you want to see out of catchers. We did see growth in a lot of areas, even though the offensive performance wasn't where we would have wanted it. So, that really is consistent with what we've heard from Brandon Gomes and some other people within the organization about Diego Cartaya is that he has improved his ability to call games and his communication levels with pitchers and building that chemistry and rapport. And there's no doubt about that, but even the best version of Diego Cartaya is not going to hang his hat on his glove, right? He's not going to be a wealthy man one day because of his ability as a catcher defensively. The reason why he was the top prospect for the Dodgers, the reason why he had established himself as one of the most intriguing prospects in the sport was because of his prodigious power, his ability at the plate. If you squint, you could see Mike Piazza with that power stroke behind the plate, but that just wasn't the case last year. And it was his fourth year. It was his fourth year at the minor league level. Usually in that fourth year, you see players take a leap. You see them take a big step in the right direction, really put their best foot forward. But he took a step back next season. He's going in the wrong direction. He had a 29% strikeout rate. That was the highest that he's had at any level in his career. Now, if there is one positive, I mean, you look at the catching growth that he made that Brandon Gomes point out but as far as at the plate he did have a 2.16 batting average on balls in play so that definitely is a statistic that tells you that he did suffer from some bad luck but i do think that there's a possibility that the io tie drops out of the top 100 prospects list and he really needs to have himself a big year for him to raise his stock and build that buzz once again I also think one of the big impacts this offseason is if you really want to go big and try to include a Diego Cartaya, is he someone that you don't feel comfortable moving right now because of how he's viewed around the league? Is his stock to a point where you're getting pennies on the dollar or quarters on the dollar or something like that because his value isn't where it was? So that probably would lead them to keep him in the organization. So I think it's going to be very interesting. Love me some Diego Cartaya. I think that there's still a lot of star potential in there. But I do think it's time to start worrying about Diego Cartaya because he's clearly not advancing and emerging like we had hoped. But let me know down below in the comment section. What are your thoughts on Dustin May and his future? What are your thoughts on Diego Cartaya? What should the Dodgers do with Diego Cartaya? Should they trade him? Let me know down below. And then we are going to jump to our next segment very excited to talk about this potential signing that the Dodgers are rumored to be interested in an outfielder. But first let's read some comments before we head to our next segment. Dmac Dodger nation person turquoise waving. I think it's an emoji right there. Showtime fans. If the Dodgers get Otani Mookie needs to hit behind Otani. I disagree with that. I think Mookie just put together an MVP caliber season at the leadoff spot. It's where Mookie wants to hit. You saw in 2020 Mookie started the year batting in the two hole and then they moved him to lead off. Then they took off. They will go on to win the world series. So I don't think that's going to be under very much consideration. I think Mookie is going to be your lead off hitter. Yeah. He's lost his step. He's not as fast as he once was in this team. A lot of their success is predicated on him scoring runs, but if you add Otani to that mix, that's going to change. I think things are going to be a lot easier on Otani. Otani would be a perfect fit. That's from Luis We got some pin ones up here from my super producer, Mr. Jordan, over there. We got Nola and Burns from Uber Assassin. John Solelo says Burns. So those are your top ones for trades. Mets will get Shohei Otani. That's your pick. Diego should be traded to the Brewers for Burns. That's from Marcos Perez. See, look, if it required a Diego Cartaya, I probably would do it, especially if you're able to get someone else out of that deal. But I do think that you do run the risk of selling him when his stock is low. Versus allowing him to get back on track, climb up those prospect rankings list once again, and then flip him later. And then maybe he's still young enough where he could theoretically be your catcher of the future after Will Smith. If they don't extend him because this organization just has not extended players that have come through their farm system. You haven't seen those big extensions. So I do think that it's still a possibility. Eric Lopez has sit on Cartaya for now. I'm with you on that one. You don't want to, trade him right you don't want to do that you don't want to be someone who gets out a little too early you don't want to sell that Apple stock in the 80s right you want to keep it you want to find a way for it to at least give it a chance to make it something where it's a viable asset and right now he's not a viable asset where he was but to trade Diego for Hunter Green that's from Craig Osterberg I don't think that's possible but uh, it'd be a nice thought Dodgers are going to trade top prospects this off season, we got uh, heat from Br. walkoff Ten of the fourteen executives. I want to read this. Pulled by Feinstein, chose the Dodgers as Shohei Ohtani's next team. Hill, look, I find someone out there who doesn't have Shohei Ohtani going to the Dodgers. That to me starts to get me a little worried, right? That starts uh, that, to me gives me a little fear. But I will say, just look at when the Lakers got LeBron. When the Lakers got LeBron, everyone knew it. It was a foregone conclusion. You had two houses in LA already. You had two houses in Brentwood. You had clutch. You had, you had his, uh, his uh, production company, space jam Two. everyone knew that LeBron James was going to be a Laker. And ultimately he was, it does feel similar to that. But I do think that, This is not the heat version of, this is not the Laker version of LeBron. This is really the heat version of LeBron with Shohei Otani. And at that time, we didn't know about that. But I do feel like there's a really good chance the Dodgers get him. Like I said, got at 60%, a little over 60% right now. Makes all the sense in the world. I'm going to dedicate an entire episode to really the history of the Dodgers and Shohei Otani. All the facts and factors. Might drop that one tomorrow. So be stay tuned for that. But Joel, Doug, we can win without Otani. Dodgers need pitching not more offensive power Joel Rodriguez. So, interesting take, can the Dodgers win without Otani? Yes, they've proven that. They won 111 games a few years ago, they won 100 games last year. Only problem is they haven't gone deep in the postseason, right? You've had two early exits. Just one win in the last two seasons after winning 211 regular season games. Yes, you can win without Otani, and if they don't get Otani, there's ways you could try to justify it. I mean, why have a Bugatti when you can have 10 Corvettes, right? I mean, you can find a way to maximize that in other areas. You probably are more aggressive on the starting pitching free agency market. Maybe it leads for them to be more aggressive towards the Jordan Montgomery and the Nolan, the Snell types, and maybe you're more aggressive in trying to add potential Matt Chapman type and things like that to shore up that third base position. It's an interesting thought, but selfishly, I want Shohei Otani, like I said. We're going to have that episode. We're going to go crazy. I'm going to be doing 10 Shuhei Otani's. I don't know what I'm going to do if we don't get, maybe if we don't get Shuhei Otani, I don't know what I'll do. Maybe I'll drink sewer water out of my shoe instead of beer or something like that. I don't can't even stomach the possibility, but coming up in our next segment, we are diving into the latest players, rumors, latest free agency rumors an outfielder that the Dodgers have been linked to. That's coming up next. Dodgers Dugout live. What up, Dodgers Nation? DMAC here. I'm here to remind you that if you have not yet, be sure to subscribe to the number one Dodgers YouTube channel for all latest Dodgers news, rumors, hype videos, interviews, breakdowns, live streams, and more all year long. Hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, and if you really want to help the channel out, smash that like button. Also, you will not be eligible for any of our giveaways unless you are subscribed to the channel. So all you need to do to be eligible for all of our giveaways is just make sure that you are subscribed. We just gave away a brand new, authentic Mookie Beth jersey valued at over $350. And we got tons of giveaways coming this offseason. So be sure to be subscribed so you are eligible to win. And as always, think blue, believe blue, and please subscribe. And welcome back to Dodgers Dugout Live. Thank you for making Dodgers Dugout Live your daily Dodgers show, all things Dodger baseball, Monday through Friday in the mornings. We'll dive into some more comments here before we hit our next segment. Got some more Otani talk. No Ortega says Dustin May needs to change his last name to break his curse. No Ortega. I'm all about making changes to change the juju, change the energy up. Yeah, go from 85 to Something else, I mean, change his number, give it something like go with the buzz cut, dye your hair black. I don't care what it takes. I mean, I definitely am for that. Dustin May, how about we just don't pitch in May anymore? That's a start. How about we just don't pitch in May because May has not been a good month for Dustin May. It's where he suffered both of his season ending injuries. But Jerry Falls says trade Roberts for a bag of stale peanuts. Finish him. Wouldn't be an episode of Dodgers dugout live without some Dave Roberts hate, but let's dive into this latest rumor guys. So excited to get into this one. Got have to break out that Dodgers rumor meter at some point, but Jorge Castillo of the LA times. He tweeted out one name on the Dodgers radar Tioscar Hernandez. They could use a corner outfielder and they've shown interest. Hernandez was a 2021 all-star and has at least 22 home runs in each of his full season since becoming a regular in 2018, he slashed 258, 305, 435, and 160 games for Seattle in 2023. So, Tiasker Hernandez. Now, Tiasker Hernandez. He definitely strikes out. He strikes out more times than me trying to ask dates for prom. I mean, he definitely strikes out quite a bit. 211 strikeouts last season, but. Let's focus on what he does well. Let's dive into this one. Is this a good idea for the Dodgers? Now, we'll break out the fake Dodgers rumor meter right now. And for this rumor, as far as the Dodger dogs go, I would give it something in between a two and a three. Let's go ahead and give that two and a half Dodger dogs with some ketchup, mustard, and relish and onions. And I think right there, you're in between people are talking and there's some smoke. I definitely think the Dodgers want to get a bat that's not going to cost you a ton. You're not going to break the bank, not something upwards of a hundred million dollars. And that is how much someone like Teoscar Hernandez is going to cost you. But let's dive into him as a player. So he hit 258, 305, 435, had 26 home runs, had 678 plate appearances. But as I mentioned earlier, a 31.1% strikeout rate, that was his highest since 2019. Also, he walked just 5.6% of the time. So with Hernandez, that's what you're looking at. A guy that hits home runs, strikes out a ton, doesn't walk right? Lots of three true outcome vibes for Tiasco Hernandez and Tiasco Hernandez too not coming off a great year. In 2022 had himself a really nice season, a 130 weighted runs created plus last year that 130 dropped down to 105. Now, I see that as a positive though, because when it comes to my free agents, I'd rather buy them on the lower side versus when their stock is at an all-time high. Cody Bellinger, for example, he's peaking. Cody Bellinger, he's someone that Since that shoulder injury, he's played his best baseball, right? Since that 2019 MVP campaign, i don't even consider the 2019 MVP campaign a realistic possibility for him. He's so far past that. But even then, if you look at his contact numbers for Cody Bellinger and things like that, he's nowhere close to being the player that he was. I might touch on that a little bit after this about the idea of Cody Bellinger and a Scott Boris comment on Belly. But the point I'm trying to make here is Belly, he enters free agency on a high, whereas Hernandez, he's a little on the lower side with his stock a little down. And you look at the splits. The splits in Seattle, we knew were going to be a little bit of an issue, right? Someone that was a right handed hitter who you look at his splits at Seattle in their home ballpark, he slashed 217, 263, 380. And you look at, I mean, you look on the road, he had 295, 344, 486. So he had 217 at home, 295 on the road. That's a pretty jarring number, right? Those are pretty wide splits. And we knew that was coming probably when you look at that stadium and his hitter profile, but still that was a pretty wide gap. Now, one of the other cons on him, save for the fact that he strikes out a ton is defensively defensively He takes a bad rap, right? He takes a lot of heat. People act like he's this terrible defender, but I'm here to tell you that last year he had one of his best defensive seasons. He was right there around league average in right field. If you look at his DRS, if you look at his stat cast numbers right around league average, so much better than you would have expected. If you look at outs above average, he was above average for the first time in his career. Had a plus three in right field, so that's definitely something to build on. If you're Hernandez and a reason to really want him as a player, I look at him as someone who is a medium risk and a higher reward because if you look at the kind of contract that you could sign him to, you could probably get him for forty million. You could probably get him anywhere between forty and eighty million dollars. And this lineup, they need more pop. This lineup needs another hitter outside of. Mookie and Freddie, if you get Shohei Otani, you need a little deeper of a lineup. You need to go six, seven, eight deep. Last year, we didn't see that, right? And that reared its ugly head when Freddie and Mookie combined to go one for 21, and they showed really no life offensively, right? You need guys down in the lineup that can get it done. I'm going to throw out a potential lineup for you that includes. Hey Oscar Hernandez. This lineup, you can start the parade. When is the parade for this World Series? Offensively, you need starting pitching, but just think about this lineup. If they were to add Otani and Hernandez, you got Mookie batting leadoff, playing second base. Freddie Freeman batting in the two hole at first base. Magna three hole, of course, you got Shohei Otani, the unicorn, at DH. Then Will Smith hitting cleanup behind the dish. Max Muncie at third base. Batting in the five-hole, and then batting sixth, Oscar Hernandez. Now, Hernandez is someone who throughout his career has mainly bat fourth or fifth. So to have him as your sixth hitter, that shows you a very deep and potent lineup. Then after him, you got Gavin Lux at shortstop, then James Altman in center and Chris Taylor in left. So that one through nine right there, Betts Freeman, Otani Smith, Muncie Hernandez, Lux, Altman, and Taylor. What that also does, it takes a lot of pressure off Gavin Lux, we talked about earlier to not have to be his offensive dynamo, not put pressure on him to hit 300 plus, hit a lot of home runs. You can let him gradually ease back in and reacclimate to being in the show at the plate and defensively. So I definitely think that's a lineup where you really didn't have to add much, right? This is already an elite lineup in the regular season, but I mean, Hernandez is someone, he, he brings that extra life. He definitely brings that extra life. I mean, from the Dominican, not enough Dominican players on this team in recent years. He adds a different element to this mix. I think the dynamic would be really, really much improved with him in this lineup. So I am definitely on board with Oscar Hernandez on the Dodgers. I think if you sign Otani Hernandez, and then you don't necessarily have to go out there and sign a Nola or a Yamamoto or a Snell or a Montgomery, one of those top four Because really, if you look at those top four guys right now, none of them are guys that are assumed to go to the Dodgers, right? Yamamoto, a lot of people think he's going to go to the Mets or the Giants. I think the Mets have a good shot. The Giants have a really good shot as well. If you look at Jordan Montgomery, he'd go to the Phillies. He'd go to a lot of teams. Every team that needs starting pitching is going to want Montgomery, right? The Phillies, you could go to back to the Cardinals, tons of options for him, back to the Rangers. Aaron Nola, same thing. Philly wants to bring him back. he go to the Cardinals. You go to the Cubs, right? Snell, you go to Seattle, you go to the Cubs, you go to the other team as well. So they don't necessarily have to sign that top, top starter. If you bolster your lineup to this degree and find a way to trade for an ace. And then you remember you get Otani back as an ace potentially in 2024. So let me know down below. Do you like the idea of Teoscar Hernandez? And I think to me it makes all the sense in the world. Cause you're not breaking the bank. He's someone that has tons of talent as a hitter. He's on the low. So you would get at a little bit of a discounted rate. I mean, if he was heading into this season and put up the same numbers that he did in 2022, he'd be looking at a really, really nice bag. I mean, close to $100 million, but you can get him at a discounted rate, right? But let's go down below in the comment section. We got Yamamoto and another quality starter should be this priority. Dave S. Give me Yamamoto. I'm here for it. There's no doubt about it. But I also want Roki Sasaki one day. I also want possibly Imanaga as an option for that second tier guy. And I think for a team that's so desperate to win next season, do you really want to put all your stock in a 25 year old pitcher who's never pitched in the show, who throws a fork ball that can definitely have a lot of wear and tear on your arm? It's a huge investment. You could talk about someone getting 250 plus million. That's definitely a possible contract that Yamamoto could sign. I'm definitely interested in it for sure, but I'm not so sure that's the best way to allocate these resources. And it remains to be seen if Otani wants to be on the same team as Yamamoto, right? There's also that factor as well as multiple Japanese players in one clubhouse. That definitely is something to factor in that. We just don't know. It's just the reality of that. But uh, let's go down below. Boo Teoscar Eagle trash. That's from Eric Lopez pass from brash cat. Dodgers shopping at Goodwill again. That's from Joel Rodriguez. They're not shopping at Goodwill. I mean, they're still shopping at Rodeo Drive for Shohei Otani, right? But for Teoscar Hernandez, they're shopping at Big Lots, right? And sometimes you get some good values at Big Lots, right? And I think that you can't give away $15, 300000000 million contracts, right? I mean, they're not going to get Otani and Matt Chapman, okay? Let's just be a little bit realistic here, okay? And I know this part of free agency, hope springs eternal. I don't even call this free agency. I call it pre agency because it's like really before the free agency kind of begins as far as the fireworks go. Got some chatter here and there. Rumors start to surface. That stove really not cranked up, not very hot at the moment. So I think at this point, you're, yeah, we're going to sign this guy, sign that guy. Ultimately, you're not going to get everything on your Christmas list, right? If you can get the one at the top, you're going to feel really good about it, right? But, I think that it just, you have to go out there and get another impact bat. And let's also mind you this, you can find a bat during the season as well. I just want to point that out as well. I mean, you can find an outfield bat. There's about 20, 30 of those guys during the season. Just look at Tommy fam. For example, last year, they could have gone out there and traded for a Tommy fam. Versus it's much more difficult to find an impact second baseman and kind of going back to what Gomes said about Mookie Betts. And what we've been saying really for quite some time right now is that that really opens up your options. Having Mookie had that ability to play that, but uh, no, unless it's a one year deal, that's from hepatitis See you later over on YouTube. No nope, Horrible idea from Eric Lopez. Bring back Gallo. If you want K's that's from V track. Hey, you have to remember too, you're bringing in someone like a, Oh, hopefully, right? And that's what wins in the postseason. You guys know that. I mean, if you want the dub, you've got a slug. Hernandez is someone that can leave the yard. He just can. And at that price is not tons of bats that are available. I mean, we have to start getting a little creative here. We got Guriel is a better player and has playoff experience. The pop isn't there, though. We got Jerry. We don't need Tioscar. first. The name is lame. Secondly, we are well, first of all, what's wrong with his name, okay? Teoscar, I like Teoscar. Okay, he's a Hollywood Academy Awards, the Teoscar goes to the Dodgers. I like that. Okay? Well, maybe not that. I don't know what I was thinking there, but I don't think his name's an issue, okay? We got a uh, dude, uh we got isn't there any other right-handed bats they can possibly trade for though? Yeah, absolutely. You can wade through and look. There is a benefit to doing that. And I think they will. I think they will explore in-season trades. You're not going to do all your damage in the off-season, right? Even last year When they weren't aggressive, they still made a ton of moves. They just weren't for premier players, right? But they still went out there and made some additions. You're always going to address certain deficiencies during the year, and you don't always know what those deficiencies are until you start playing. Injuries are inevitable. Down years are inevitable. So you do want to maintain some flexibility. I'm not so sure they're gung-ho on this idea, but it does tell you that it's something that is an option. I mean, who would you rather have? Would you have Jason Hayward or Hernandez? And Hernandez of course is a lefty. And I think you do need some lefties on that bench, right? Whether it be Michael Bush, they keep him, you go out there and get another left-handed bat. That's definitely something you need. But Hayward is someone who's played himself into a pretty nice contract. And I just wonder if that was, I don't want to say an aberration, but is Lightning going to strike twice? for Jason Hayward, right? Because he put himself in a great position to get another deal after a lot of people quite frankly thought his career was over. I think Hernandez brings a lot more upside in the postseason than a Jason Hayward who has a a OPS of under 500 in the postseason. So Jason Hayward has been a bad postseason hitter for his entire career essentially. Hernandez is someone who I think brings some pop for sure. But do we already have a strikeout poor fielder in Muncie Who else is available? We got Rickles. Yeah, we'll we'll break that down too. I mean, not too many names to be honest We you. No Arteaga, Mookie, Freddie, Notani, the Three Musketeers. I like that one. Gavin Luck, Andrew over on YouTube. We got Betts right field, Taylor second base, and Teoscar Hernandez in left field. That's for my guy, Mister Tim Rogers, Dodgers twenty eighty. Hey, you're not doing the Dodgers fan thing, right? Unless you're following Dodgers twenty eighty, the stars of the future. Hey, I'm not against that idea. I really am not. I mean, I think having Mookie in right field primarily still gives this team. I think the best chance to win because as good as Mookie is at second base, it's not anywhere near how good he is in right field and right field. He's in the conversation for one of the best defensive right fielders of all time. My opinion, the best right fielder of his generation. When you consider the range, the arm, the metrics have taken a hit if I'm being completely honest with you. His defensive numbers have gone down a little bit, but, I'm definitely not against that. But uh couple more here. We're gonna keep moving along here. Trade Roberts for Pokemon from Cobra Commander. Finish him. We need two lefties. That's from Andrew. He has like the idea of Imanaga, but uh we gotta shop at Whole Foods. That's from Andrew. You're gonna shop at Whole Foods, man. The movie Otani is not even Whole Foods. Otani is having freaking Bobby Flay come to your house and cook you a meal, man. That's like getting a private chef. Okay. They're going that route. They're going to back up a fleet of Brinks trucks to try to get Shohei Otani. Right. But still you can't make all top level signings. That's just unrealistic. And I think that Hernandez is someone that can absolutely help this team, but switching gears here, we're going to talk a little bit. Yeah. I mean, look, we got the, I see a lot of you guys asking about Cody Bellinger and like, I'll talk about it once again, basically, Cody Bellinger was brought up a ton yesterday when Scott Boris was asked about him, right? And Scott Boris, you got to understand who we're talking about. Scott Boris is someone that's always going to have his client's best interest in mind. He's always going to try to do whatever it takes to get as many teams interested as many suitors. That is what Scott Boris does, right? And all he said was, that he'd be interested in basically playing for any team if that meant the Dodgers, the angels fine. But I don't think that that opens the door to the Dodgers being an option. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that the Dodgers will have any serious conversations about bringing Cody Bellinger back this off because unlike Hernandez, he's heading into free agency back on a high only. I do think it's a little bit of a mirage. I have to tell you, I mean, I think he was really lucky last season as far as, the Babbitt numbers as far as the hard contact and the expected numbers. And you look at where he's at 22nd percentile in average exit velocity, 27 percentile in barrel percentage, 10 percentile in hard hit rate. He's great defensively, But his quality of contact numbers are nowhere near where they were in 2019. He was averaging 87.2 miles per hour off the bat. That was four miles per hour slower than during his MVP season. 45.6% of his batted balls left the bat at 95 plus miles per hour in 2019. Last year, that number was at 30.8 miles per hour. So people acting like MVP belly's back, he's not. He's not walking through that door. Like I said, you don't want to reheat the McDonald's French fries. You don't want to get back with your ex. Usually get back with your ex and you got the honeymoon phase again. And then the same problems start rearing up. You start to remember, Oh man, I forgot. I hated your laugh, right? That's how it would be with Cody Bellinger, right? I do think that he's going to get back to probably being a solid player no doubt about it, but I don't think he's going to be worth 200 million, especially when you have James Outman, who's already proven he can be a competent center fielder, an above average bat, an above average defender at less than a million dollars. I think that it's not even, it's a non-starter conversation. I can almost guarantee you that the Dodgers haven't even considered kicking the tires on a potential Cody Bellinger deal. I think there's a good chance that Dodgers end up with Otani Bellinger ends up with the Giants. I truly do. But let me know down below what are your thoughts on Cody Bellinger. And then we are going to head out of this one because this has been a jam packed show. I actually have a Dodgers, did you know that I actually want to talk about here in a second. But first, let's read some comments. Guys, thanks for joining us here on Dodgers Dugout Live. We got Keep Kike from Cobra Commander. Roberts is too damn. I'm not going to read that one. Tyler O'Neill is cheap. That's from Michael Carrillo. Tyler O'Neill is an interesting option. We'll explore him on a future episode. But look, really the main point too, other than the Hernandez rumor, is that don't get completely lost in the shininess of a Shohei Ohtani. Because Shohei Ohtani is definitely going to be huge for this team if and when they sign him, right? But he's not going to solve all of their problems. Pitching and another outfield bat are also on the agenda this offseason. But uh, I'd rather have Jay that's from Dylan McKay I wouldn't be against Jay. Hay. I wouldn't be mad at it for sure. If you could guarantee me he'd replicate the season he had, but he was used a little bit in limited situations, right? You saw him primarily against right-handed pitching and Hernandez, of course, his splits are a little skewed towards lefties, but still, I think he could play both sides right there. But uh, Michael Bush needs to be given the chance to play every day if he's not traded for pitching. I agree with you 100%. We got, uh, Dylan McKay. Doug, we go to the winter meetings. Possibly. I just booked my spirit airlines ticket, apparently. So your boy will probably be out there guys trying to get you all the info. Mario. What up DMAC? What up Mario over on YouTube? Two words. He washed. That's from Justin Lamas. Smack that like button for Jerry Harris. Uh, Jerry over there. Show. Hey, the money. That's from Cobra commander. What's Vargas's future. I think he has to prove he can hit at the big league level consistently. And then we'll talk. He's still very young, right? He's 23 years old. D Mac, the old saying this is from champ over there. D Mac, you know, the old saying baseball is 90% mental and the other half is physical. I agree. It absolutely is. We got Justin Lamas. That's true. Bellinger going three Oh five will never happen again. Yeah. I mean, look, there's nothing against belly. I'm the biggest belly ever. I love me some Cody Bellinger. I just don't want to get back with my ex in this situation. I'd rather use that money elsewhere. You got Jesse Rodriguez. What up, d What about the Dodgers going after Snell, Otani, and Yamamoto and landing all three? Man, it ain't my money, but still at some point. I mean, what are we talking about? That'd be crazy squirrel. I mean, it's over a billion dollars. Over a billion dollars. Uh, if you get two of those three, you'd be winning Christmas, right? When school gets back out of the Christmas vacation, you can really tell your classmates, Hey man, I had the best Christmas. If you get even two out of those three, even one out of those three, you're feeling pretty good about it. But all three, that's pretty insane. That's a lot of dough right there. But uh, yeah, I want to just point out, I've seen a lot of talk about the free agency signings and good free agency signings and bad free agency signings. I've seen people out there say that Kevin Brown was a bad signing for the Dodgers and today's Dodgers. Did you know, is that, Back on December 12, 1998, the Dodgers made free agent pitcher Kevin Brown the first ever 100 plus million dollar man. He signed a seven year, $105 million contract, a move that really upset a lot of the owners around Major League Baseball, really uncharted waters, setting a new precedent for pitcher salary. And baked into his contract was also that he had private jets available. The pitchers plan was that if i'm going to sign with the dodgers his last bargaining chip was that he had a private plane that allowed him to fly to Macon, Georgia 12 times per year so he could visit his family in Georgia and after the fact it got pretty interesting because the commissioner's office they tried to add $600,000 to brown's listed salary to really impact the luxury tax there and get the dodgers to have to pay an extra 204,000 so you got 105 million he had a private jet with 12 trips to make in Georgia to visit his family. There was all this talk about how much money it cost at the time. And people say that he was a bust. I'm here to tell you that was not the case. Kevin Brown, yes, he made a lot of green, but still he was good in Dodger Blue. He had a 283 ERA, that was seventh. A 1.10 whip, that was fourth. A 316 fifth, that was third. He had 23.9 F4, that was seventh among pitchers. He was a two-time All-Star. He had three 200-plus inning seasons. He had three six-plus F-war seasons. And that's the second most by any Dodgers pitcher in the last 25 years. So he's someone that did have a lot of success. And when you look at that contract and the fact that back then for war, value per win was about $4 million per win. And if you look at what he provided he basically gave them 95 million dollars in value to the Dodgers. He produced 95 million of value and they got out of that deal too. I think a lot of people forget about this is that the Dodgers got out of that Kevin Brown contract by trading him to the New York Yankees and when they did that, they saved 31.4 million dollars on his contract. They got Jeff Weaver and 10 million in the deal which covered all but 5.5 million of his salary for the next 2 years of 68 starts. At about a hundred plus ERA plus. So Kevin Brown probably weren't expected to get a shout out on this show, but I got your back. He was not the worst signing in Dodger history. Not even close. Okay. Andrew Jones called Jason Schmidt called, which I think was a double agent. I think Jason Schmidt truly was a double agent there. He was a giant in disguise. That was the worst contract. In fact, Next week, we're going to do the top 10 worst signings in Dodgers history. But Kevin Brown, that certainly wasn't you. But let's read some comments here. We're going to head out. Dmac going to get sick at the winter meetings like the GMs. (laughs) Brass, Ket, what happened to Andy Pajas? We'll talk about him. I'm going to try to get Casey Porter, my friend, from Dodgers Daily on the show. At some point, we're going to dive into the prospects. We'll talk about Andy Pajas. No way they sign all three. Yeah, Tim T. That isn't happening, right? BC only team doing great is the Kings. Rough time for LA sports. Yeah, rough time for LA sports. I mean, I will tell you that um, UCLA basketball is uh, 1-0. So there's that. Hey, dmac, big fan. Hey, big fan of you, Metabolic Revolution. Thanks for rocking with us here. John Mac, do you think because of every team meeting a starting pitcher, the market price will be exponentially higher than past years? I do think that's the case. I think that a lot of teams... Saw what happened last year, where premium starting pitching definitely gives you an advantage, and that doesn't matter who you add offensively. I mean, the Braves had a historic season, right? The Dodgers they had a historic season by their standards, first team in Los Angeles to score over 900 runs, and then they were awful. They hit 177 combined in the NLDS. So I do think that people, realize, and GMs, and front offices, and smart organizations know that at the end of the day. Starting pitching wins, starting pitching wins championships. And I think that there's not only that, but a lot of big market teams need it as well. So you can never have enough starting pitch. And I definitely run, but that's going to do it for this episode of Dodgers dugout live. My name is Doug McCam. Friends call me Mac. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Another reminder, if you want to do me a huge favor, if you want to give me a Christmas present, Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Leave a comment with all your takes. I love hearing your takes down below. That's gonna do it, guys. Remember, nothing brings us together quite like Dodger baseball. And until next time, think blue. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Bring them home. Bring them home. Bring them home.